0: Hey, you're about to hear a great word from our teaching team. At Freedom House, we're about equipping you to experience Christ's freedom every day. We would love to connect with you. We stream our live services Sundays at 1030 and 1215 Eastern Standard Time. You can join us at freedomhouse.cc live. I hope you enjoyed this message. Y'all look wonderful today, good to have you. We also want to welcome all of our live streamers. We've got Alabama, California, D.C., Florida, Georgia, Kansas City, uh, Michigan, New York, North Carolina, Germany, Philippines, and the U.K. Church, can we give them a big welcome? Thank you guys for joining us. And don't ever forget, if you're ever in Charlotte... Make sure you come by and and hang out with us. We'll roll out the red carpet for you. We got a seat for you here. Uh, My name is Troy Maxwell, and my wife and I are the senior pastors here. And uh, we are one church, meeting in multiple locations. And so no matter what part of town that you are in, uh, you can find a Freedom House near you. And we're adding more. We're going to be adding a lot more campuses coming up. But we also... Uh, are a teaching team church. In other words, we have live communicators at every one of our services. So today I'm speaking here at all three of our services. Whoop, whoop. And uh, and then my son is at our Lake Norman campus. Oh yeah. And then Olin Carter is at our South End campus. And so really, really good. I um uh, Today I wanna talk about hope a little bit. And uh, it reminded me of a story that happened, and I, I've never shared this story publicly before. Uh, I've only shared this with a few of my friends in regards to what happened here at Freedom House in 2006. We bought this land that this, this building is now on, and in 2008 2009 we had uh, a loan with a bank um, that was a a Christian credit union. Uh, about 4.3 million dollars we had borrowed. And if you remember 2008-2009 is when we went into a recession as a country. Well, in the middle of that, the bank removed our financing. We were about two weeks away from actually beginning the first phase of this building. And uh, we, we immediately lost all of the financing, which means we had to press pause. Very difficult situation as a church. Everybody's fired up about building the building. And then we had to press pause for about two years in 2011. Now... Uh, if you go back to that time, especially in um, in the church world, it was very, very difficult to get a loan from any bank. Very few banks would even consider giving a church a loan for a couple reasons. A lot of churches were not doing very well. We were doing very well as a church financially. Our cash flow was great. However, no bank wants to foreclose on a church if they don't do well. They don't want that kind of uh, media attention. And uh, so we did find a bank. And we came into agreement. We had a significant amount of money in the bank that we had saved up. um, And we asked the bank, and they agreed that they would put in their money first, and that we would come on the back end and then put in all of our money. And knowing that as we built the building, we would continue to raise money to add to the facility. Well, as soon as we signed all the paperwork, the bank changed their mind, and they asked us to put in all of our money first. Uh, which ended up being close to $900,000 that we had to put into the project. We had borrowed around $2.2 million, uh, which was significantly less because banks were not really loaning money out that much. And, of course, the economy had taken a dive, so our property uh, value was not as much. They started to put money into the project, and sadly, at the end of the project, after the building was completely done, we were about a half a million dollars short. We didn't have the money, and it was very difficult because we were made some promises by the bank, this would happen, that would happen, and now they kind of changed, and everything changed, and put a lot of pressure on us. How many know that when you owe somebody a half a million dollars, that's uh you're not having a good day, that's not a That's not a good Monday when you wake up and you get that bill in the bank, from from the bank. Well, uh, one thing I did not do is I didn't quit. I, I pressed in, really, I pressed in. I didn't give up hope because I knew that I served a big God. I really did. Now, I had never believed him for that much money before, but I knew he could do it. I knew he could make it happen, and I pressed in. Now, I'd been through some situations in the past And so I knew what it looked like to pray. I knew what it looked like to use my faith. So I started pressing in. Now, I had no idea how it was gonna happen. I went to our leaders in the church, and we raised about $150,000 somewhere in there, but we were still short about $345,000. Now, this is how cool God is. Uh, You know, I, I like to play golf, and of course, we were raising funds and trying to figure out how to do this because if you finish a building and you still owe money, the subcontractors will come, the contractors will come after you. They'll put liens on the project, which means you can't move in. So you got this great building, you're paying bills on the building, but yet you can't even use the building because you still owe money. So that was all going through my head. All that was processing in my head. And so this guy calls me from San Diego, a friend of mine, and he goes, hey, I want you to go play in this golf tournament with a few of my friends in Colorado. It was this big, deal that was happening, and I said, man, I'm not gonna go play golf, I I got, you know, I've got all this money I need to raise, I don't, you know, I can't go play golf, he goes, I'm paying for you to go, and I want you to go, and I was like, all right, you know, so I went, and uh, we play a couple days, and then one evening, we're out to eat, now of course, all my friends know what's going on, and a lot of them stepped up and helped us as a church, a lot of my pastor friends came and gave us finances to help us through the process. So I'm sitting across the table from a group of, of folks, and and uh, we're having dinner together, many of them I don't know that well, and I'm explaining my situation, I'm explaining what happened with the bank, I'm explaining all the the challenges that we're going through, and um, you know just just sharing my heartache, you know, having my own little pity party with everybody. Anybody ever do that before? Anybody invite somebody to your pity party? I mean, we had cake and ice cream and everything and and um What I didn't know is there was a guy by the name of Scott who was sitting across the table from me. Now, he was just listening, and I didn't know him. First time I never met with him, even talked to him. Well, about a week later, I get a call from Scott, and Scott goes, hey, Troy, you know, we met at this particular dinner. We have a lot of mutual friends. And as I listened to your story, you don't know me, but I own my own business in San Diego, and we've been very successful. And as I was thinking, I was just thinking about the fact that I have a million-dollar line of credit that I've never used. And the Lord told me to give you the $340,000 that you needed. Come on. And I said, I'll receive it. <laughs> Wasn't a whole lot of arguing in that situation. I was like, yes, yes, Okay. The reason is, is because, uh, and I'm not anybody special, because I I think all of us, it may not be a $345,000 situation you're dealing with. It could be a marriage situation. It could be a relational situation. It could be a job situation, a career, a business decision that you have to make. I'm here to tell you today that you don't need to lose hope. Hope is a necessity, We all need hope. I read this recently that you can actually live for up to 70 days without food. Isn't that a miracle? 70 days. Some of y'all are like, it's been 45 minutes. I'm already hungry, Pastor. (laughs) 70 days. You can actually make it about 10 days without water. You can live about around six minutes without air. But you can't, it's impossible to live without hope. We've watched in the last six months some very successful, very wealthy, well-to-do people commit suicide. And I'm going to tell you, it wasn't because they didn't have enough money. It wasn't because they didn't have enough stuff or maybe enough friends or enough influence. It was because they had lost hope. And I think sometimes we don't get to the place where we do that, but we may give up on a career. We may throw in the towel in our marriage when in reality there may be a Scott sitting across from the table that's waiting to hear your story, to to see what's going on in your world. I love what Jesus said in John chapter 14. He's getting ready to leave his disciples and he says to them because they feel like they're losing their best friend and and this guy who uh, uh, has been with them for three and a half years, they've watched him And he says to him, let not your heart be troubled. In other words, don't don't get nervous. Everything's gonna be all right. Look at your neighbor. Just look at him and say, everything's gonna be all right. Everything is gonna be all right. Look at your other neighbor. Say, be quiet. I'm trying to listen. (laughs) Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many houses, many mansions. We're gonna have some house parties up in heaven Come on. And, and no lawn care in heaven. You don't have to worry about your grass. It's that stuff you don't have to cut. You know, the, the stuff you put on the ground that just stays healthy. And, and you don't have you have a pool. Everybody's going to have a pool. And, and yours will be by the beach and the pond and the lake and the mountains. It will all be one house. If it were not so, I would have told you i go prepare a place for you. And if I go... And prepare a place for you. I will come again and receive you myself. That where I am, there you you may be also. Now you you might say, well, that's great. That's in the future. You know, when I get to heaven, that's what's going to happen. But pastor, I need some hope right now. Like I got four bills sitting on my my desk when I get home that I, I don't have money in my account for. I. I, I There's stuff going on in my world right now. I need some hope right now. Why would God, why constantly does God remind us of the future? Well, that's what hope is. Hope is the confident expectation of future good. And the reason God does that often in scriptures and reminds us of our future is because he wants us to make sure of where we center our hope. In other words, hope is only as valuable as the person or thing you are putting your hope in. And the reason why our hopes get crushed is because we ever so slightly put our hope in things that we should not put our hope in. People will let you down. I know. It's hard to believe. I've had a few Christians recently let me down. Can you believe Christians would act like that? I'm a nice guy. Why would they do that to me? They'll stab you in the back. They'll stab you in the front. They'll stab you in the side. They'll stab you in the foot. Christians. <laughs> Believers. You can expect it from some old sinner guy, but I'm not, I'm talking about people who love God can hurt you. And the only way that you can find your hopes crushed is when we put our anchor in them or anchor in our companies or anchor in finances, in money. Let me tell you, money will let you down, but never with God. 52 times in the New Testament, the word hope occurs. In the New Testament, the word hope actually can be translated confidence. And every single time the word hope is mentioned, there's a connection with God. In other words, what God is telling us is that we need to make sure that Whenever we extend hope, whatever our hope, make sure that it's centered on him. Romans 15 says this, it says, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. Notice that the results of the hope that God gives us are joy and faith, joy and believing. That you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Here's my prayer today. My prayer for you is that you would walk out of this place overfilled with hope. That no matter what situation you're dealing with, no matter what challenge you're facing on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, no matter what bad meeting you might have ahead of you, that you have some hope. That you can put your trust in God. That no matter, God's not going to let you down. That everything's going to be okay. Everything's going to be all right. It will work itself out if you will put your trust in God. If you will put your hope in God, he will come through for you. Can I get an amen? He will. He'll do it. I want to read a story to you out of the... Out of the Bible, this woman and I, I want to kind of set it up for you. God, Jesus is is doing his thing. He's praying for people, healing the sick, opening blinded eyes. And there's this man, a father, that comes up to him and says, "Hey, my daughter is not well, and I need you to come. She's 12 years old, and and uh, and she's not very well. I can imagine the heartache that he has because here here he is. I, I've got two daughters. I couldn't imagine, you know, my my daughter." on on death's bed, just just getting ready to pass away. He comes to Jesus. Jesus doesn't just speak a word. He actually wants to go home with the guy so he can pray for his daughter. Right in the middle of this situation, this woman shows up. Look with me at at Mark chapter 5, verse 24. It says, so Jesus went with him, the guy, and a great multitude, a huge crowd, followed him and they pushed on him, thronged him. Now, a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years. She was in the possibility of being hopeless for 12 years. I know it's kind of hard to think about 12 years, 12 years. That's 4,380 days. Every single day she dealt with this problem for 12 years. And it suffered. Not only that, she went to get help suffered many things from many physicians. She went to the doctor. You can imagine, this was 2,000 years ago. I've watched some, some History Channel stuff on what they do to people 100 years ago to try to help them get well. Imagine what was happening with the physicians with her thinking that she had this problem. She, the Bible says that she spent everything that she has. Everything that she had. And this is what happens with a lot of people when they put their hope in the wrong thing they'll end up feeling spent completely by by trying to direct things in the wrong direction, trying to put their hope in something else. So she'd spent all that she had and wasn't just the same, no better, but rather grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him. When she heard about Jesus, she she hadn't met Jesus. She hadn't had any conversations with Jesus. She came behind him in the crowd Touched his garment, for this is what she said. She said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Immediately, everybody say immediately. Immediately. This wasn't a process, it didn't take a week. Immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. She went from a woman that couldn't have children, now she can have children. She went from a a woman who was socially an outcast to now she was completely okay. She went from a woman who was relationally, I know she wasn't married, she didn't have any relationships, everybody had to stay away from her because she was unclean. Now she she had friends probably coming out of the woodworks because they could spend time with her. So we gotta understand some things about hope. If you wanna write a couple thoughts down, here's the first one. Hope is knowing God is there even when you don't feel him. Even when you don't feel Him. Now, I want to teach you a principle today that I think will help you in your Christian walk. See, here, here's what happens in our maturity as believers. When we first become a Christian, God reveals things to us a lot with feelings. Many times He'll touch us, ooh, God, that was you. Ooh, you get a goosebump, ooh. Come into an environment, oh, I feel you, God. But eventually, as you mature in your relationship, the feelings are not going to be what drives you. This is difficult because many times we equate that with our relationship with the church. Oh, I don't feel anything anymore in that church. I'm gonna go somewhere else. So we go from church to church to church, or we may go from relationship to relationship to relationship. I mean, I've been married 26 years. Sometimes it doesn't feel all sweet and nice in the Maxwell house, and I'm pretty saved. I'm not sure about Penny, but I'm pretty saved. She's not here. I can say anything I want today. Don't you be telling her, Carrie, what I said. See, here's the principle. The principle is lead with your choices, not with your feelings, Lead with your choices, not with your feelings. Most people lead with their feelings and then follow with action. They follow with their choice. If I don't feel anything, then I'm not going to act. Feelings will get you in trouble. They will get you in trouble. You look at him, oh, he's, he's cute. Woohoo, I feel something. <laughs> look at those green eyes. Woo-hoo, I feel something. The Lord, that must be God. Look at those muscles. Woo. I feel it, Lord. That must be you. Where do you work? I ain't got a job. But I felt it. I thought I could just live with you and you take, you be my sugar mama. Run. Run, forest, run. Feelings are not good leaders. Emotions are not good leaders. Now, there's nothing wrong with feelings. Feelings aren't bad. We need to process feelings. We need to process emotions. Nothing wrong with emotions. But listen, they cannot lead you. You lead with your choices. And even if feelings don't follow, you still have faith. See, hope in God is not being driven by our feelings. What if you don't feel? A lot of people come into a, a worship experience. I'm not going to lift my hands until I feel something. No, you need to lift your hands. Matter of fact, God is waiting on you to, for, for, for you to do something. That's how he works. Now, I wish you worked the other way. I wish God would always do for me before I did anything for him. But that's not how it works. Lord, bless me. Bless me. Jaron talked real good about giving. I'd give God if you'd bless me. No, he's waiting for you to give so he can bless you. Because when you begin to put your hope in the right thing, see, what you're telling God by saying, bless me, God, and then I'll give, is my trust is in money, not in God. My my hope is in him. Lead with your choices. That's why the Bible says in James 4, it says, draw near to God, and he'll draw near to you. You might say, you might say, I'm waiting on on God when God's saying, I'm waiting on you. I'm waiting for you to step out in faith. I'm waiting for you. It says she heard about Jesus, heard about him, just heard, and she said, action, choice. She didn't feel like going and doing this. There was nothing about her disease, her problem that said go and touch somebody's garment. Nothing. All the feelings were telling her not to. I think that happens a lot of time on Sunday mornings. There's a lot of people that should be in this room today, but they didn't feel like coming. And the very thing they needed to hear was going to happen in this room today. You gotta lead by, you gotta choose. I'm gonna be a church goer. Even if I don't feel, even if I'm tired, even if my kids need to be sold on eBay today, I'm gonna still take them. Even, even if my husband is acting all crazy, demon-possessed, I'm gonna still come to church. Maybe the demons will get cast out of him by the time I get home. Nothing happens with apathy. There it is, right there. write this down. Hope is realizing God is moving even when I don't see it. Even when I don't see something happening, I have hope that God's still doing something. Often, often, and I would say the majority of the time, God is moving behind the scenes on purpose because if he showed it to you, you would mess it up. You, you, you'd mess it up. you get your hands all on it. If you saw what he was doing, you'd start confessing things that you shouldn't be confessing. Talking, you'd mess it all up. We'd mess it all up. The reason why God's got you going in the other direction. Why God, why am I going this way? I don't want to go this way. I, why are you doing this? He's, he said, just be patient. Just be patient. It'll be all right. Just be patient on me. I'm God. He, he will take care of it. He's working behind Scenes. Hebrews 11, Hebrews 11 one says, now faith is the confidence in what we hope for, what we hope for, and the assurance, listen, about what we do not see. Great example of this was a guy by the name of Daniel. Daniel wrote a book in the Bible. You can go read his book. It's really good. He talks about the end times. He gets this incredible uh, download from God. He understands the end times. And the crazy thing about Daniel is he lived in a culture that was Anti-God, but yet he never let go of God. He never, he never let the culture influence his choices, his values, his purpose, his destiny. So much so that towards the end of his captivity, he was totally in slavery by the Babylonian culture. But he would pray three times a day, Criticized for it. One time he got thrown in a lion's den because of his prayers. And so he sees the children of Israel who are trapped in captivity. And the Bible says in Daniel chapter 10, verse 2, it says, During those days, I, Daniel, went into mourning over Jerusalem for three weeks. Three weeks. Three weeks he was in mourning. 21 days he didn't quit. Imagine that for a second. Some of us, we, we get tired after like 45 minutes we want God to show up right then on. We have spent the last 20 years putting ourselves in this problem and then we want God to fix it in 40 minutes. God, but you can do it and he can and he's working. And he's been working for 20 years in the background waiting for you to get your center right, to get your hope in the right place for us to get on our in the right perspective. Daniel prays for three weeks, 21. This is where, we, by the way, we get the 21-day fast from. And then I love what the angel says in verse 12. He says, relax, Daniel. <laughs> I love that. Look at your neighbor. Say, relax. Relax, relax, chill out. Relax, he continued. Don't be afraid. From the moment you decided to humble yourself and receive understanding, the moment that you got on your knees and put your hope in me, your prayer was heard and I set out to come to you. Three three weeks ago, I set out to come to you. But we have to understand that many times there's opposition to God's plan. You have a real enemy that would love for you to remove your hope from God. And he's going to do everything he can. And he tried to stop. He tried to stop this angel from coming and, and meeting with Daniel. Abraham, same thing. However, Abraham got impatient. Don't get impatient. I know patience is hard. Patience is a difficult thing. And don't ever pray for patience. Patience is not something you want to pray for unless you're a real strong Christian. Because you'll end up in lines and traffic and all kinds of stuff. This is coming from somebody that prays for patience. Well, your impatience, our impatience. And here's what happened with Abraham. Abraham got so impatient that... God had told him, "I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make you a great nation. You're, you're going to, you're, you As a matter of fact, I'm going to change your name from Abram to Abraham because you're going to you're going to be, become a father of many nations. You're going to be, but Abraham kept going to God. God, I don't have any kids. I, I need some kids, and and my wife is old, and I am old, and it's just it just doesn't look like it's going to work. And and so his wife, because it's always the wife, tells him says, why don't, you, why don't you have my servant and, and we can have a baby and we can have a child. So he does it. He gets impatient and they birth an Ishmael. Impatience will birth things that will consistently fight with the promise that God's gave you. Now think about this for a second. Ishmael was the father of the Islamic nation. He became the father And as a result of impatience, 2,000, 4,000 years later, the Islamic nation is still fighting against the promise. All because of impatience. In the Middle East, we still see it. So when we do something out of impatience, we end up finding ourselves in a place where our promise is withheld or blocked because of that. So just sit patient. Three weeks. It might take a year. It might take two years. It may take five years. But trust, hope, put your hope in, in God. Here, here's how Paul Paul says it. And this is one of those verses that we all don't like. I don't like this verse. This is what he says in, in Romans chapter 5. It says, We also glory in tribulations. Glory in tribulations? No, I don't want to glory in tribulations. Why do I want to glory in tribulations? Are you and James talking? You know, James said, you know, you need to uh, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Count it all joy? I I thought when I became a Christian, I was going to have a problem-free life. No, 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 no. We glory in tribulations. Another way to say tribulations is pressure. We glory in pressure. Why? Because pressure produces perseverance or patience. Pressure produces patience. What does patience do? Patience produces character another word for character is experience so pressure helps me become more patient. when I'm patient I experience more and here's what happens every experience that I can walk through becomes a part of the scaffolding that helps me deal with future buildings that God wants to build in my life and so every time I deal with an experience, so he builds on the last experience. I get pressure, I, I, I have patience, I have this experience. It creates hope in me. That's the last word, he creates hope in me. So that when I get to the next point of pressure, I can look over my shoulder, and say, so, oh, I handled that pressure, and it gave me some patience, it, it helped me understand that, that I'm going to have this experience, and, and then I'm able to gain some hope, so I can trust God, so God, you moved over in this situation, so now I got a new situation, new pressure, you're going to move in this situation, this situation, then I step into another situation, and now I got this situation and, and this experience that I'm building upon, and every time we go through trials and tribulations, God God often will allow those things to create some patience in our life so we can have a nice, long book of experience that we can always lean on, always put our trust in, God, you did it here, you did it here, you did it here. And it may not all be in the same area, could be, God, you moved over here in finances, so I know you're going to move in my marriage. God, you moved in my marriage, so I know you're going to move in my finances. God, you moved in my ministry, so I know you're going to move in my career. God, you moved in this relationship, so I know you're going to move over here. And so this experience, they just build upon each other, build upon each other. Then you can say, I hope in you, God. I put my trust in you. Then you can say, you can say like David said. He said, I let all that I am wait quietly before, the, before God for my hope is in him. Hope is taking a risk. She came up behind him in the crowd. This woman took a huge risk, by the way, huge risk. She was supposed to, within 25 or 30 feet of anybody, she was supposed to yell out, unclean, unclean, so that nobody would touch her, because if you touched her when she was sick, seven days you would be unclean. She snuck up behind Jesus, risking it all, What did she risk? She risked being stoned. She risked being killed. That's a huge risk. Every step of faith. Every time you put your hope in God, there's risk involved. What is that risk? It's gonna cost you something. It's gonna cost me something. Whenever I put my hope in God, it's gonna cost me something. Could cost a relationship. Could cost a friend that I thought was gonna be with me forever. It could cost finances. It could cost resources. Could cost me some time. Also, what does that risk involve? Involves? I, I, it's gonna be a little scary sometimes. Sometimes when you put your hope in God, it's scary. You're out there on the edge. You're out there sometimes all by yourself because nobody's ever done that before. Nobody in your family has gone to college before and you're the first one to step out in faith and do it. Put some hope in God and, and realize, I'm gonna be the, one, the first one to graduate. Maybe you're the first one to get out of the neighborhood. Everybody else is growing up in this neighborhood. All lived under poverty, and you've decided you're going to be the first one, first one to buy a house. Everybody else in your family's rented, and then you you got to take you got to take a big, a little scary, A little scary. It's also always risk always involves a sacrifice. The biggest sacrifice we have to make, listen to me. The biggest sacrifice that you and I have to make is. Not getting what we want now for what will happen in the future. That's the biggest sacrifice you and because we are a culture that wants it right now. Let me just get another credit card. Let me just put it on layaway. Interest refinancing. Let me do it right now. No, you gotta give up. Sacrifice is letting go of what you want now for something better in the future. I think one of the guys I wanna talk to in heaven is Joseph, Joseph, you know, Joseph and Mary, because he took a huge risk. I want you to just put yourself in Joseph's sandals for a second. He, um, think about it. (laughs) He didn't have shoes, he had sandals. (laughs) Think about it for a second. Everything's going good. You meet this cute girl. Her name's Mary. You even like her family. She's, she's beautiful. She's everything you've ever desired. You've checked out her mom. You see what the future's gonna be like. <laughs> and, and, and everything's going good. You, you even decide to put a ring on it. You even decide you're, you're, gonna, you're gonna marry this girl. Joseph is fired up. I mean, he's, he's, they're, they're going and doing all the wedding planning. They're eating cake. They're, they're getting the venue together. They're spending time with each other. And then one morning, he wakes up to a text message that says, we need to talk. <laughs> now, I don't know about you. When somebody sends you a text message that says, we need to talk, exclamation point, exclamation point, then I want to know right now, what is it about? What is this about? Especially, think about Joseph and Mary. They're getting ready to get married, and then she says, I, I, we need to talk right now. Well, can you call me right now? No, we can't call. This needs to be like a meeting, face-to-face meeting. So meet me at Starbucks, you know, so we can talk about this. So they get together at Starbucks. And then she starts to describe what happened the night before. I was in my house, I'll just minding my own business. I'm looking through, pick, picking out some dresses, you know, for the bridesmaids and everything. And all of a sudden, Mary, this angel shows up. This angel shows up out of nowhere, and he says, you're blessed and highly favored. And then he tells me that I'm going to have, give birth to the Son of God. Now, if I'm Joseph, I'm going, girl, you you smoking crack or something's going on with you. You are crazy. An angel showed up to you, said, you're going to have the Son of God. You're going to birth the Son of God. Yep, and I took a test today, and I'm pregnant. What? Most guys, out of there. They're gone. They're gone. Joseph hung in there. Not only that, he married her, took care of her. Then he had to be God's dad. You never thought about that, did you? Never thought about all the years that he had to be Jesus' father. You ever wondered if Jesus got a spanking? I've thought about it. (laughs) Bible says he never sinned. So he was the perfect kid, never got a spanking. Think about the pressure. He put his reputation on the line. He risked it. That's the kind of God we serve. It requires risk. Here's the last thing is hope is believing the best is yet to come. And that's my prayer for you today. That's my belief for you is that the best is yet to come the best is yet to come your best life is just ahead of you your best marriage is just on the other side all you got to do is hope in god put your trust in him put your confidence in him that's what god's telling you today the best is yet to come when he changed water into wine the master of the ceremony said you know most people put out the bad stuff after everybody's well drunk but you give us the best wine. You've you've given us the best. I believe that's prophetic for you, that God's best is in store for you. When the prodigal son came home, you'd expect him to be an outcast, have to earn his way in, no, but his dad said, hey, bring out the best robe. Bring out the best. That's for you. Because when you hope in Jesus, there's no relationship that's so broken that it can't be mended. When you put your hope in Jesus, the impossible becomes the possible. When you put your hope in Jesus, there's no wrong that has been done that is so severe that it cannot be forgiven. When when you put your hope in Jesus, there's no habit, there's no addiction, strong enough that God can't break. When you put your hope in God, there's no part of your past that can hold you captive anymore. Why don't you stand up on your feet today? And here's what I want you to do. I I don't want you to think about your feelings. I want you to think about the choice of getting some hope. You need some hope in your life. And so here's what I want you to do. You you say, you are in a situation like this woman with the issue of blood. 12 years, 3 years, 3 months, 20 years. Today you've heard Jesus. Are you willing to take a step and get some hope? I believe God's going to fill you with that hope today. If that's you in this place, if you say, you know what, Pastor Troy, I, I need some hope for my financial situation. I need some hope for my marriage. I need, I need God to pour out because it looks like I want to throw in the towel, but today I'm not going to give up. I'm, I'm not going to give up. I'm going to press in to what you have for me. Be like a nail. The harder you hit me, the deeper I go. Bring it on, devil. Bring it on. My hope is in God. If you say, that's me, I need that kind of hope. Just lift both hands to heaven. I want to pray for you today. I want to pray for you today. Father, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, I thank you that that, that today is the day that the Lord has made. Today is the day of our salvation. Today, God, I pray that these people that are hungry for hope, that are desiring just a deposit of your hope. God, their eyes would be focused on you, Jesus. All that you did on the cross, that you have prepared a table in heaven in the presence of our enemies, letting letting us know we sit across from you, God, and you are declaring over our life that this is not a hopeless situation. I will turn it around for good. This is not impossible. It is possible God say it to you because I want to take control of the situation. I pray hope, 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 be filled with hope in the, in, in the name of Jesus. Be, be filled with hope. I declare hope in the marriages. I declare hope in the finances. I declare your joy would come upon people. That all despair of the night would, would go away, God. That your mercies are new every morning, Father. That we are the chosen of God. In Jesus' name. Thanks again for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed this message. Don't forget to subscribe. And hey, if you want to find out more about our church or how you can be a part, go to freedomhouse.cc.